0: This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Dear Women. Dear Women is your source for ritual teas, beauty secrets, and magic potions. They offer tea blends such as Witch for increasing dreams and intuition, and natural beauty products like their Dark Violet Luna Daga Lip Balm. And you can get 40% off their concoctions by using offer code WITCH on their website, dearwomen.net. That's deer spelled like the animal, women.net. And use offer code WITCH for 40% off today. Today's episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Witch Baby Soap. Do you like to dwell in the shadows, but stay squeaky clean? Then which baby soap is the soap for you? They make fabulous occult-themed body products like coffin-shaped bath balms, tarot card soap, and crystal-embedded body butters. Their recipes are made with magical intentions and they're free of all of those nasty things like sulfates and parabens. And now you can get 15% off orders using offer code WITCHWAVE. That's WITCHWAVE, one word, on witchbabysoap.com. So get ready to wind down, lather up, and get some Witch Baby Soap products using offer code WITCHWAVE now. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. And welcome to the Witch Wave. Spring is finally springing here in New York, and it is so, so, so glorious to see the sun shining and people starting to parade through the streets with more vim and vigor and in far more colorful fashions. The cherry blossoms are going crazy here this week, and for me, that's always a sign that the holy day of Beltane is just around the corner. That's right, Beltane is on May 1st, and it is such a lovely day to celebrate flowering, fertility, love, lust, and sweetness in all its forms. You might be familiar with the version of Beltane or May Day that has people circling ribbons around a maypole in a sort of phallic dance. You might have seen it on Wicker Man. I hope that if you do some maypole dancing, you do not suffer the same fate as the protagonist in Wicker Man. But I digress. In ancient Rome, landowners would encourage sex in their fields on Beltane, as they believed it would encourage a good harvest later in the year. Some people in the pagan community have expressed discomfort with this holiday because they believe it to be so heteronormative and so focused on coupling and, well, boning. But there are so many other ways to celebrate this holy day. Beltane is a day of feeling awakened and aroused in all kinds of ways, not just sexual. It's a day for being in love with the blossoming of the world. It's a time to celebrate our lust for life. The word Beltane comes from the Celtic sun god Bel, whose name means bright one or shining one, and the Gaelic word Tane, which means fire. And so Beltane Roughly translates to Bell's Fire or Fire of Bell. It also marked the peak and end of spring, and believe it or not, the beginning of summer. Bonfires are traditionally burned for Beltane to honor the sun's ascent and encourage solar warmth and light. And there's a great tradition of people jumping over the fire to cleanse themselves of diseases and bad spirits with its holy smoke. Now, if you can't jump over a fire, then lighting a candle to honor the sun is a lovely replacement. You can even jump over the candle. Just be careful. Or you can do some sort of smoke cleanse in your house by burning sage or incense or some other holy wood or resin. Think of it as a deeper sort of spring cleaning. And yes, Beltane is a holy day of tenderness, union, and love. I confess, I'm partial to Beltane because it's when Matt proposed to me eight years ago, and he did it without even realizing it was Beltane. He is way more magical than he realizes. But even if you are not celebrating romantic love, it's a splendid day to celebrate love of beauty, of nature, and of the things that are flowering in your life. Beltane is also traditionally a day of the fairy and elf folk, also known as the fae, or if you want to be proper Irish about it, the is she, which is spelled a o s s i d h e, is she. Now, unlike the cute little cartoon fairies that many of us grew up with, these fairy folk could cause all sorts of mischief if they weren't properly honored, appeased, or protected against. Traditional fairies were said to originally look like ghostly or astral beings. The winged creatures that we're familiar with didn't actually appear until the Victorian era, when various artists did new renditions of them. Whatever their appearance, The fairies, or the she, were tricksters. You had to be careful what you wished for from them, and you had to be vigilant against their pranks and disguises and theft. However, they were also sources of immense magic and wonder. The great enchantress of Arthurian lore, Morgan Le Fay, was said to have derived her powers from the fairy folk, and King Arthur himself, in some tellings, is said to be buried in the fairy realm. Virtually every culture has trickster characters, from coyote in Native American tales, to Loki in Norse mythology, to Yoda in Star Wars. They are characters that, despite their tricks and deceptions and confusion, or maybe because of it, are here to teach us sacred truths. Lewis Hyde, author of the book Trickster Makes This World, describes tricksters as boundary crossers. He writes, quote, The trickster myth... Derives creative intelligence from appetite. It begins with a being whose main concern is getting fed, and it ends with the same being grown mentally swift, adept at creating and unmasking deceit, proficient at hiding his tracks, and at seeing through the devices used by others to hide theirs." Trickster starts out hungry, but before long, he is master of the kind of creative deception that, according to a long tradition, is a prerequisite of art, Unquote. It's this sacred trickster energy of the she that is great to channel at Beltane, Clowns, shamans, bards, and other beings have always used humor and trickery to help keep their communities aware, alert, and awake. Through pageantry, glamour, and cleverness, tricksters help us plug into our own sense of play, of not taking things too seriously, and of not being complacent. So this Beltane, I hope you have fun with illusion, levity, and delight. Go ahead and honor your own fey, your own sacred trickster. And if you can laugh while you're doing it, then all the better. Now some of you know I'm pretty obsessed with drag. And the more I learn about it, the more I've come to realize that it is its own kind of sacred trickery. As RuPaul says, you're born naked and the rest is drag. Drag queens and kings show us that everything is illusion and that because of this, we all have the ability to poke holes in the fabric of reality whenever we like or transform it entirely. It's its own sort of witchcraft, an act of shape-shifting that entertains us, challenges us, and teaches us using the tools of glitter, glamour, and lace-front wigs. And that's why I'm over the moon that on this episode, I get to speak with Louisiana Purchase, Drag Witch Extraordinaire. We discuss drag as magic, as well as Louisiana's boundary-crossing identities as a practicing witch, a fierce queen, and a queer man with a penchant for the dark arts in all their forms. But first, let's check and see what's come through on the witch wire. Who is it? Witches! Michelle writes... I live on a sweet little farm in rural Appalachia and enjoy tending a small flock of chickens and also goats, a horse, and a German shepherd. After three years of free-ranging my chicken flock with no incident, I've just dealt with the first fox attack on the farm, which took the life of one hen and seriously injured another. I am currently nursing the MAME 10 through her injuries, and her outlook is guarded. I am frustrated and heartbroken to say the least, and I feel very threatened by this bold and brazen fox. After reflecting upon the incident, I cannot help but think this may in part be my fault. I'm coming out of a particularly bad winter, in which my depression has taken a serious toll on my mental health and well-being. This year has been particularly rough and I've indulged my illness by letting my thoughts go to very dark places. I think in doing so, I may have welcomed this negative force into my life and onto my farm. I find this particularly disconcerting as I've always been drawn to the fox and have considered it one of my familiars. Beyond improving predator protection through traditional means, I immediately began searching for a protection spell that specifically relates to flock protection. Do you know of any guides available for the use of sigils in ritual? Ooh, oh, Michelle. Okay, so there's a lot here that I want to talk about. Um I hope your chicken is doing all right. I'm sending her lots and lots of love and healing energy. But I want to start off first by acknowledging what a badass you are, living in the country and farming and contending with creatures, both domesticated and wild. As a city mouse myself, I am in serious awe of you. So let's get down to brass tacks regarding your question. There are actually two things that I want to address in your note. And the first is this idea that you have that this fox attack on your chickens is your fault, or that your depression and dark thoughts have somehow caused this to happen. Now, I completely understand why you might draw that conclusion. We all hear this law of attraction, you get what you put out there message in lots and lots of places. Um, There's that book, The Secret that popularized it. Um, In very broad strokes, karma is, you get what you put out there. Um, Or even in the Wiccan message, which states, that what you put out into the universe with your magic will come back to you threefold. So I totally, totally get why you might be concerned that you've somehow manifested this in your life. And I totally agree that when we're focusing with great intent on an outcome or a vision, sure, that energy can come back to you and hopefully in great and amazing ways. But let's say you were focusing on hurting your neighbor's chickens, or crops, or your neighbor, and then this happened to you. Okay, maybe I'd agree that you had it coming. But let's be clear. Sometimes shit happens. No matter who you are in this life, you are going to have hardships and rough times and surprising and sometimes horrible crap come at you out of the blue. It sucks. And yes, we have to figure out how to deal with it, and if possible, sure, how to prevent it from happening again. But sometimes this stuff is entirely out of our control. I don't believe that you caused this fox attack Any more than I believe that when people get cancer or hit by a bus or stub their toe even, that it's necessarily always their fault. We all have bumps in the road, sometimes huge Appalachian mountains in the road that we have to navigate. And I believe those bumps are here to teach us something. Those mountains are here for us to climb. I wonder if there's a way you can reframe this metaphorically or spiritually. Today we're discussing sacred tricksters, and the fox is definitely one of those. Maybe it showed up to teach you something. Especially since this is an animal you feel a kinship with, I'm wondering what message you can draw from it. If you relate to the fox, perhaps it is that you are sometimes your own worst enemy and need to stop attacking yourself. I don't know thing one about foxes and raising chickens, so I'm the last person, admittedly, to give you agricultural advice. But perhaps there is a way you can lovingly feed the fox something else? or set up a lovely altar for it somewhere else outside that will both attract it and honor it and keep it away from your chickens. Or hell, maybe you just need to fortify your hen house in the same way you need to fortify yourself against the predatory voices in your head. I don't know the exact answer here. But I do know that In the times when we're struggling, whether with depression or self-abuse or sickness or whatever, these are the times when we need to approach ourselves with the most compassion and tenderness. You did not cause the fox to attack your chickens any more than you caused your depression. Nature happens. But you can choose to treat both yourself and the fox with love and tenderness and carefully considered strategies that will keep these predatory thoughts and creatures at bay. So on to your actual question, which is about sigils to protect your hens, There's a new book out by Laura Tempest Zakroff that you might want to check out called Sigil Witchery. Now, it may not address foxes and chickens specifically, but it will teach you how you can come up with your own sigil for whatever purpose you wish. As with all magic, when you're crafting your sigil, just remember to trust yourself Follow your intuition and put out good intentions. I'm wishing you and your chickens, and yes, even your fox, all the very, very best. Now, on to my guest. Louisiana Purchase is a witchly drag queen based in Texas, though she performs all over the dang place. She's the co-creator of the monthly horror-themed drag show called Die Felicia. She's a member of the drag troupe Poo Poo Platter, and she's the host of a weekly RuPaul's Drag Race viewing party at Austin's Downtown Joe's. As a practicing witch and an artist, Louisiana incorporates dark and magical aesthetics into her performances, and she's attracted fans worldwide, including people like Kat Von D and Chelsea Wolfe, the latter of whom she's opened for on tour. Louisiana has been crowned Austin's best drag performer by the Austin Chronicle for two years in a row, And I'm convinced that that's just the beginning of the many accolades that this enchanting queen will be manifesting for herself. Louisiana Purchase joined me from her hometown via Skype. Louisiana Purchase, welcome to the Witch Wave.
1: Hi, I'm so excited to be here.
0: I am just thrilled beyond belief that I get to talk to you, especially because you and I have been circling each other for many, many years online, but we've never actually met or or spoken. So it's a delight to finally get to do that.
1: Same here. Yeah, we've known each other online for quite a while, and uh, I'm so excited to do this. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: Yay! So I want to dive right on in. Um, Certainly, we're going to talk a great deal about drag. Like probably everyone else you talk to, I am a RuPaul's Drag Race aficionado, obsessive weirdo.
1: (laughs) Yay, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so definitely want to talk about that. But I actually wanted to take a step back because you first came on my radar as a visual artist um, via your gorgeous paper cut works that you were doing. Thank you. Yes. So I would love to, first of all, have you talk a little bit about your paper cut artwork, if you could just describe it and then how you pivoted into drag
1: yeah absolutely um, so I went to school um, uh, art school dropout really with a concentration on illustration and after I dropped out of art school um, I didn't touch art for a long time and then kind of came back to it just I guess out of boredom and uh, and I read a book about Hans Christian Andersen and how he was a master paper cut artist. And I was like, oh, they're like silhouette work, paper cutting, I'm gonna give that a go. Total fluke, and I just took to it like a duck to water. It was fun for me, it was exciting. I liked giving myself um, the kind of uh, caveat of like like two colors, like really giving myself parameters and seeing how much work I could do within those uh, parameters. And, And also, you know, I love macabre things, you know, I love spooky things. And I was like, wow, you know, that'd be a great way to interject my kind of love of the macabre and kind of like maybe darker themes or motifs in a kind of like classically like Victorian, very kind of like proper art technique. And so I did that for years and, you know, had the great fortune to like show my work in galleries. And
0: yes, I got to show your work in a show called Lunation several years ago about the moon. And I loved your piece so much. It's now hanging on my wall. I was looking around our apartment. I think I have like five different pieces of yours, you know, some prints and, you know, a paper cut. I have your book. I mean, I'm just a huge, huge fan.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, it, you know, and all while I was doing this, I was living in a really rural town in Louisiana, along the Gulf Coast, uh, consisting of about like, 500 people. Um, so for me, and t- my artwork to kind of have that reach out into the world was just mind blowing to me just doing something that I really loved doing. And I continued uh, doing paper cuts for for many years. And you know, commission work. And I got to design, you know, tour t-shirts for like Marissa Nadler and, you know, all these great opportunities and, uh, you know, doing something that I love and uh, was very happy and content doing that. And then it kind of, you know, like all artists, you know, after, you know, years of doing it, I was kind of like, "Mm, you know, well, I want to do something maybe kind of new. So I was kind of at that point, uh, when I met my current partner, uh, which was in February of 2013, we met uh, through OK Cupid, total fluke, total, total fluke. Nice. Um, and he has been doing drag for about 13 years. His drag name is Bulimian Rhapsody.
0: <laughs> excellent, excellent.
1: And, and so um, we first met at uh, the drag show that he produces here in Austin, Texas. And the the show was called Poo Poo Platter. And I met him, never had gone to a drag show in my life, had never been in drag, nothing. And I just thought it was the most funny and just irreverent. It, it just hit all of like the pleasure zones for me, the show. And then um, I met him. Uh, It was a Friday, and we decided to have our first date on the following Monday, and we got together at my place and ate pizza and watched Drag Race, and we've been together ever since. Uh, We celebrated our five-year anniversary in February, but what I started doing was going to shows with him and, like, helping carry bags and, like, helping him with whatever he needed, and slowly, my friend base became these amazing drag queens that were part of the troupe and also, you know, friends of his. And so as we inched closer to October of that year, I was like, I'd like to I'd like to give this a go. Can I like do a performance? And Ooh. He, yeah. And he was like, you've never done drag. Um, You've never been in drag makeup. Like, what are you going to do? And I just had this gut feeling that it would be fun and I could pull to pull together something, you know, worthy of the stage and so he reluctantly let me be in the show and (laughs) we thought of right good good job uh (laughs) and you know I, i picked a name uh louisiana purchase which a lot of people think oh how you know how quirky like a little history buff um actually louisiana purchase is the name of louisiana's ebt card it's called the louisiana purchase card
0: oh my god that's hilarious So
1: I'm named after the food stamp card of um, uh, Louisiana. Uh, When I lived in Louisiana, you know, I was on it. I was on the card. So, you know, uh, you know, no shade towards that. But um, everyone thought it was really funny. And I, you know, picked my song to make my debut. And I performed a track by Pharmacon. And it was called Crawling on Bruised Knees. And it was like a six minute track. And I had set Bible on fire and vomited blood and, you know, did all of these like wild and crazy things that I thought was like really fun and like really exciting. And the crowd just was silent. They were so freaked out and shocked. <laughs> I came away from it because I'm a Capricorn, very type A personality. And I walked away like, Oh, I felt like I had no control on stage. Like I, I didn't like it. I don't, I don't like this. I don't think I want to do this. Okay. And, and everyone was like, oh, okay. You know, well, you know, you gave it a go. November comes around, no drag. And then December pops up. And one of the members of Poo Poo Platter, uh, was going to do a number and wanted, uh, to do it as a duet. So she asked me, would you please be my duet partner? And I was like, uh, and she was like, it would be really fun. So I was like, okay. You know, I'm not like, the eyes are not on me. This is not my performance. You know, Mm -hmm. it'll be fun. I'll be like a fun addition. And then the bug bit me like hardcore after that performance. And I've not taken a month off of performing since then. So I've been doing drag Nonstop since December of two thousand and thirteen,
0: how fabulous! And you know i I remember when you started doing drag, and I was really excited about it because, you know, in my I wouldn't say hugely extensive knowledge compared to a lot of other drag fans. but in in my knowledge base, it strikes me that there aren't a ton of queens, and maybe this has changed, but aren't a ton of queens who really stick the landing in terms of having... Oh, this is going to be shady. (laughs) But in terms of having taste and a dark kind of magic aesthetic. I mean, certainly Sharon Needles like had a bit of a witch vibe, and Sasha Velour has a bit of a witch vibe, but I think of you as really more in that, and not to pigeonhole you, but, but you really do kind of hit all my pleasure buttons when it comes to the witchy, the gothic, the occult. I mean, certainly there's some retro aspects that I've picked up on too, but I was so excited to see Louisiana be born?
1: Yeah, I I definitely, um, you know, I can preface the kind of how I got into drag story with um, I had started watching the season of Drag Race. My first season viewing it was Sharon's season. Mm-hmm. And she definitely I was like, Oh, my God, like this, like spooky queen, you know, came, you know, just appears on, you know, on this great show. And like, you know, wins the crown and it definitely gave me kind of a little bit more, um, uh, kind of like drive to like, well, if she can do it, I can too. And thank you for all the compliments as well. Um, yeah, I, I definitely approached drag from a visual art, you know, kind of a viewpoint where, you know, and drag, you know, more is more, you know, you have the baubles, the rhinestones, you know, the big hair. And I approached it really with a sense of like wanting to keep Louisiana very edited, mm-hmm. um, like really kind of clean looks with still keeping it within like the kind of like really macabre noir realm and mixing it with, you know, my other influences too. But again, not to be like Super shady here, but, you know, a lot of queens that you see in the quote-unquote, like, horror realm are doing, like, kind of, like, spooky drag.
0: Yeah, it's very monstrous. It can be a little gory, which is cool, but it's it's not totally my thing.
1: Right, and it, it, sometimes it comes off, like, a little, you know, no shade to Hot Topic, but it comes across, like, a little, like, uh, you know, Halloween. Hot Topic-y yeah. mall kind of, like. And I was like, how can I take... What's a huge part of me, you know, this love of like, you know, kind of like darker themes and darker elements, you know, and especially, you know, aesthetic wise. How do I take that and really make it something that that feels organic and also feels exciting to me? And the fact of just like keeping it very edited and clean and maybe drawing from aspects and influences that were maybe not as obvious you know, like one of my favorite aesthetic visual influences are the Jean Roland vampire films, mm. uh, fascination and uh, Lips of Blood, and you know the the women were just you know had these you know beautiful hair and wore these beautiful gowns or like in these like sheer like capes and robes, and you know the antithesis of like a hot topic or like more is more aesthetic. And I was like, you know, that's the that's the field I want to like plow. That's that's the direction I want to go is 60s, 70s kind of horror. You know, the ladies were glamorous vamps. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. That's 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 the sweet spot for me. And in the in the world of drag and especially here in Austin, there were absolutely no other queens doing that. There were definitely spooky queens in Queens that were kind of in the same realm, but no one doing exactly what I was doing here. And I think I can attribute that to catching people's eye when I first kind of like came out the gate.
0: Absolutely. But it's also that, again, taste level, and I'm very biased here, but, you know, even the songs that you choose, they're by these incredible artists. I mean, I, I was just going through some of your videos online, and it's, you know, it's Stevie Nicks, it's Susie Sue, you've done drag tributes to Tori Amos, it's, you know, Cocteau Twins, Chelsea Wolf, on and on and on. You know, it's not just the kitschy stuff. And I love the kitschy, campy stuff, don't get me wrong. But I love that you have this like very sophisticated witchy kind of dark and very contemporary aesthetic. I think it's so, so captivating.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, music is a huge part of my life. I was in a band many years ago and music has always been even in my visual art. Um, music has always been a huge influence and I've had the great opportunity to work with a lot of my favorite bands and, and musical artists. And so, yeah, I have a, I have a pretty good um, musical taste level, if I do say so myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I've also been really fortunate to open for a lot of my favorite bands and perform at concerts, which here in Austin, definitely I'm the only queen doing that. And, uh, you know, I've had the great pleasure of opening up for Drab majesty and Chelsea Wolf and youth code and all these amazing bands and being in music videos for some of my favorite bands. And I like that. I didn't, you know, for lack of a better word, dumb down my musical selections when I perform and my sweet spots are definitely like that. 80s, like kind of like gothy synth pop, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the way to, you know, like Formicon and Chelsea Wolfe and uh, and things like that. And, you know, I thank you so much for the compliment, because that is something that tends to get mentioned a lot with my drag is my musical choices. And I'm real serious about the songs I pick to perform. And and that is something I've kind of uh, been a, a real, um, you know, I, I refuse to to do the top 40 hit just so that I can get tips, you know, at a show, I'm like, no, I'm going to perform this song and I'm going to turn it out and you're going to love it.
0: Yes. Well, it's obviously working for you and we're going to take a quick break, Louisiana, but I want to talk more specifically about drag and illusion in just a moment. Today's episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Blood Milk Jewels. I have loved blood milk for years because each piece of their jewelry has a story that adds to its aesthetics and talismanic qualities. Their designs are inspired by seances and surrealism and shadowy goddesses and so many more of my favorite things. They use materials like sterling silver and natural crystals and gemstones such as moonstone, labradorite, and onyx. And so each piece is crafted to be psychic armor. I also love that they've been handmade in Philadelphia using local resources since 2008 and that it's a female-owned and operated company. So check out bloodmilkjewels.com and adorn yourself with dark, sparkling beauty. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with drag queen, Louisiana Purchase. Hi! Hello! So, Louisiana, this is The Witch Wave podcast, as you know, and I... I'm guilty, of course, of looking at everything through the lens of witchcraft, but the more I get into drag, the more parallels I see between drag and witchcraft. Um, and, And I know RuPaul famously talks about the drag queens as the shamans and the tricksters and the sacred clowns of today. And so I'm wondering, do you see parallels between magic making and drag, especially given a lot of your your prior interests and art motifs?
1: Absolutely. And I, you know, definitely am very proud to say, you know, I am a practicing witch. I have everyone who knows me, who's friends with me, you know, knows that. And I definitely see a lot of parallels um, and I am so excited to talk about this cause I never get asked about this stuff. <laughs> so, you know, what drag queens are doing, you know, we're, we're physically manifesting. We are changing ourselves into what we're changing the air around us and we're changing our physical appearance and creating magic and producing another world and, and, you know, in and on stage and creating an atmosphere for people and, I talk, I spoke with a drag queen, a really good friend of mine from Portland, and uh, she was saying how in some areas of witchcraft, drag queens and, you know, like feminine men are, are kind of like the gatekeepers because, you know, we might have male bodies or, you know, present ourselves as male, but we also have that other side of us that is very feminine you know and when I do talk about this amongst friends they mention they're like yeah like in crap throwing a glamour Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah it's 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 like that you are you know I am manifesting a new form for myself and then I go out at night and I am this creation I am this person I am manifesting my agenda you know, I am making magic happen yes. around me and the people that I interact with and on stage. and
0: You've shapeshifted, haven't you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that is how, like when I'm putting on makeup, you know, I very much get into that. You know, when I pick out costuming, pick out my wig, you know, what kind of song I'm going to do, I'm creating magic. These are all my ingredients for my spell. And then, you know, and then the act of, Shaving my legs, shaving my face, putting on makeup, getting in a corset, you know, all of that. This is my actual physical manifestation of my spell.
0: That's beautiful. Um, it also makes me think of you know we've talked before on the show about the idea of glamour as magic, and of course the idea that everything's an illusion and and how reality is is malleable, if you will. And I was thinking this morning about the um, I believe it's ancient Hindu concept of the Maya, M A Y A, of you know which means illusion. But I was looking to find the derivation of the word, and apparently the word Maya used to mean, like, extraordinary power and wisdom. And so the idea of illusion and magic kind of being two sides of the same coin is very, very intriguing to me.
1: Same here. Same here. It's one of the most—and this is— why when I started drag it, it definitely like it grabbed me by the throat and it shook me and was like, this is what you were meant to be doing. This is this is this is your this is your world, honey. Um, yes. Was that especially in the early days when I didn't really have, you know, like my makeup skills have improved since when I first started. But you know, just just the acting of this going into drag very naively knowing really nothing about it and just kind of like magpieing my way and like grabbing bits and pieces and like, Forming my character, it was all very, um, my approach and and my beginnings in drag was very deliberate and specific, you know, and, and I just see it all as like gathering your ingredients for, for spell work. And also, you know, whenever we go out, you know, whenever I am, you know, full done up, you know, Louisiana purchase and I go out and you, and you can see whenever people approach you the, the the actual tangible magic that is happening and, you know, people come up and like shake your hand or, or want a hug or a photo and they're just entranced by you in your drag queen form. And mm. it, it all is just magic to me it is you know and then you know you come home and you take off the lashes and you wipe off the makeup and, and I'm I'm left with this feeling like yeah you know magic was made tonight you know what what I had in my mind the 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 in, inside my brain how I imagine you know like the performance would go or my look or you know anything like that like yeah it was you know spell work achieved yes. and then you know I come I'd come home and put Louisiana to bed for the night. And I usually uh, favor uh, Taco Bell and uh, watch (laughs) Netflix.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like a good witch does. So I was also thinking about how with witches – Many of us take on a magical name. Sometimes it's a secret name. Sometimes it's a name that's used only in our coven. But that struck me as another similarity. And and the idea, too, of like wearing your ceremonial garb. I mean, same thing. You know, when I'm in coven or I'm gathering with people or I'm doing a ritual, it's the space has shifted. I've transformed myself. Um, but then, of course, I come home and I shift back into the material world and i watch netflix too for me it's usually sushi or ice cream not taco bell but you know (laughs) we each have our thing
1: no i like am on board with you on all those points it's even you know the drag queens I, i belong to a drag troupe here as well as you know i do my own shows and travel all over the u.s performing solo but you know we're sisters we're drag sisters my best friend and fellow drag queen, uh, she performs as Zayn Zena. We have matching tattoos that say sis, mm. uh, S-I-S. And it is, it is a, it is like being in a coven. And, you know, we, we hold each other. There's very special places in our hearts for each other because we create our magic together. And there is a very special bond with people that, you know, you, you do your, your work with your spell work, your, your enchantments and
0: that trust, right?
1: Yeah. It's, you know, I, I trust, uh, the girls that I perform with and it is a total sisterhood and it's a special bond whenever you perform with people. And, uh, these are the people you bounce ideas off of. And one of the most exciting things for me that I really just get a, a huge jolt of excitement with is, you know, we also hang out outside of performing and outside of drag. And, Just sitting down, like over lunch or over a coffee or what have you, and like coming up with ideas for shows or coming up with, you know, looks and performative ideas. And it really is like, meeting with your coven you know planning out magic
0: and it's very initiatory too isn't it because you know you were saying you've gotten better with your makeup you kind of you know you enter this sisterhood and you're just a little baby drag queen or you know a a lot of people when they approach me they call themselves baby witches I don't know what the equivalent would be in the drag scene and there are drag mothers I understand and
1: yeah totally yeah we we call them baby queens those are those are the newbie queens Mm that They're mm-hmm. just, you know, you, you can see them out. They're like little deer in their high heels. You know, they're all very kind of, you know,
0: just covered in amniotic fluid. Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, I came up sans a drag mother. So I learned a lot of stuff by watching other queens and also, quite honestly, YouTube tutorials. But I am a drag mother, I have 12 drag kids
0: amazing are you kidding me so you're number 13 so that's a coven too
1: right that for me was you know doing visual art was a very solitary thing for me Uh, I didn't create you know it was very very few and far between I would collab with other people but it was a solitary very interior thing for me and then moving on to drag where you have a drag family these are your drag sisters And it was the biggest thrill for me because I think I had only been doing drag for a year and a half, two years, when the first person approached me and was like, I wanna be a drag queen and you're my favorite drag queen. Will you please be my mom? And I was shocked and I was like, oh my God, yeah. And my drag children, they're cis males, cis female, you know, uh, across the board, trans, you know, all these people approach you. with the hope that you'll that you'll take them under your wing and and kind of like push them in the right direction and that's what I've done with all of my kids and you know I I put them in face as we say uh, you know for the first time and showed them you know how I do makeup and give them tips and pointers but the main thing that I feel is more important than that is I try to impart to them performative ideas like. My big thing with drag is makeup and looks. You'll that will evolve. You'll develop that. What you need to do is connect with an audience. I teach them kind of, you know, the the for me, what is the most magic about drag and that is going on stage creating an atmosphere for your audience and having them be completely enveloped in your world for that three to six minutes, however long the song is.
0: Oh, that gives me chills. That's so, so beautiful. And it it gets me right back to that illusion point. Like, I was thinking about... drag queens as sacred tricksters and you know in in mythology like in in norse mythology there's the god loki in native american mythology there's coyote i mean i would say yoda in star wars is a trickster and it's that idea of humor and irreverence um, to show us that like everything is an illusion and yet there are great truths that come out of that right
1: exactly exactly and you know it's it's funny you know when, when you try to i guess look at it logically is that you know i performing at louisiana like as an actual human being like it doesn't exist you know so much like in the physical plane you know she is definitely me you know and i'm i'm the vessel for her but um yeah it's you know it that so correlates with drag is what is reality reality is is what you make it it's your reality and that is i guess kind of like one of the essences of drag and and of magic is convincing that audience that this this is reality like this is my world and convincing them and showing them and having them enjoy and having them be into it you know because there's no greater compliment Then after a performance and someone comes up to you and, you know, the compliment I tend to get given most is, oh, my God, like I was captivated by you while I was on stage Mm. or you have such a great stage presence. Like I really felt like you were connecting with us. And that is my number one goal in drag is to get on that stage and be like, this is this is reality now. This is my world and it is very real while i'm on this stage and i want you to be a part of it and i'm going to bring you into my world
0: and you're gonna love it yes oh it sounds so mesmerizing i want to hear more we're just going to take another quick break and we'll be right back This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Zoo's Incense. They make exquisite hand-rolled incense cones with natural ingredients sourced from five continents, and they never use synthetics or charcoal. I've fallen nose over heels in love with their many magical blends, such as their Moon Mix, which is made from myrrh, sandalwood, and aris root. Go to zoosincense.com, that's Z as in zebra, O-U-Z as in zebra, incense.com, and use offer code WITCH to get free shipping on orders over $20. Let Zoo's Incense transform your space into a sanctuary. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Louisiana Purchase, drag queen from Austin, Texas. So, Louisiana, you were talking about transforming your audience and bringing them along, you know, in this really bewitching, captivating, kind of spell casting way, but I, I am curious... How do you find yourself changing or transforming? Like d- does Louisiana bring out something different in you? Are you connecting to some kind of divine feminine energy? How do you how do you kind of make sense of Louisiana and your non-drag self?
1: Such a great question. Well, first of all, being Louisiana, having the 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 facade of Louisiana And getting to develop her and getting to live in her world has definitely just giving me in my own day to day life a lot more confidence and a lot more strength. You know, I I kind of view being in drag or creating a drag persona as like, you know, as a queer kid, I loved um, uh, the women in comic books like I, I was a huge fan of like the Huntress. And uh, and all these great female combat characters, and and for me, creating Louisiana and being Louisiana, it's like it's a dream come true because I get to create the ultimate female archetype uh, persona for me. That yes. you, and and it's like I get to be a real life like, you know, superhero and so definitely it's given me just a lot more confidence in my day-to-day life and also being louisiana is has been such a cathartic and healing thing for me especially whenever like when i first got out the gate i was able to use her as a conduit to work through a lot of things on stage heal a lot of hurts celebrate a lot of private joys that Unless you knew me personally, you wouldn't maybe necessarily get during the performance. But using her as a tool to heal. And then when I found my strength through her, then going, okay, well, she, you know, being Louisiana has, you know, it's healed these hurts. Now, let's see where we're going to take her. Now, let's see now that we have that base kind of like good and solid. Now, let's see what she can do.
0: Oh, That is so—I am getting choked up listening to you talk because, you know, even when I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race, some of my favorite moments are when some of the queens are talking about their past and their history and, you know, a lot of the wounded places that some of them— if not all of them are coming from, I mean, we're all wounded, aren't we? So I I just, and the ways in which, when they explain the ways in which drag has healed them and allowed them to accept themselves, which is kind of ironic, right? You create this other character and it helps you become more yourself.
1: Yeah. As growing up a, a queer kid and especially a very effeminate queer kid, um, I grew up in the Deep South. I was the first child. My parents didn't know anything about being gay or what to do with me. And I grew up feeling very um, ugly and and not just physically, but like all aspects of me were wrong. And um, uh, everything I wanted or dreamed of was wrong. And I was constantly told that. And I was told that, you know, I would never find love and uh and so you grow up with a with just like this this blanket of like shame. And becoming a drag queen, I'm celebrated for all of the things I was told as a child that were wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I went into drag very. Probably at one of the darker, darkest times in my life where I felt very broken just emotionally and as a person and drag hands down saved my life. It saved me emotionally and it helped me develop into a much stronger, much wiser, and I feel uh, much more open to love and to give love, uh, I think the first year I did drag, I would come home and probably cry after every performance because it was such an emotional release Mm. and it was so surreal to me and just such a, um, I I couldn't wrap my head around at the beginning, like that I was so celebrated for the things that I was told were things to be hidden. I didn't have the best childhood and I didn't have the best uh, young adult life and really felt like like lost and so you know that's why i went into visual art was because i could escape into my own world and i started doing louisiana to escape and she turned it all around and now it is something to project and celebrate and have out in the open and i'm very proud of myself as a human being and as a day-to-day person and i'm very proud of louisiana purchase
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. That it reminds me of that principle of alchemy of turning the base lead into gold. It's like you've transmuted your pain into this like wondrous, beautiful, bewitching creature and it's it's just such a uh, lovely, lovely story. I'm so happy to hear it.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You know, quite a few other queens have found their strength, have found their voice. In drag, and it's not, you know, my experience is not um, uh, special so far as, you know, I'm the only one that has experienced this, but it it does. It gives these young uh, queer people a voice and also a sense of power. Um, I'm creating Louisiana's world. She is my creation. She is me. It's, I am allowing the parts of me that I've locked away for so long to come to the surface and and to, you know and as much as I enjoy and and am touched by being celebrated as a performer, seeing someone else, I still drag for me is still the most magical art form I can I can see a queen perform and when I when I can see a performer on stage and I know she is there and she is present and she is sharing something really beautiful I still get choked up at drag shows I've seen I've seen I don't know how many drag shows and and it is still one of just the most moving art forms for me because you know it's it's a universally you know they're universally shared truths within the queer community a lot of us face um not feeling beautiful um not feeling right not feeling that you know we we belong and the drag community my local drag community and now the larger drag community when they embraced me i fell into their arms Mm. uh and it's At the end of the day, whether I do drag for 20 more years or two more years, drag has changed my life, and it has made me, I feel, a better human. It's made me a better witch. It's made me more compassionate. It's given nothing but positives to me.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is just so, so beautiful, Louisiana. I'd love to talk just a little bit more about just the relationship between your spiritual practice as a witch and your drag practice, are they kind of flowing into each other now? Or do you still kind of feel like you're in a different zone depending on which pointy hat you're wearing?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I, I definitely feel that, you know, I, I'm able, everything that I celebrate or that, you know, I, I manifest. You know, it's you, you put on different hats for different things, whether, you know, whatever needs to be done. And Louisiana is the same way, you know, I know going into a performance, whether it's going to be like a really emotional, very touching performance or something that's a little bit, you know, more kind of like macabre or spooky or maybe something that's a little bit more like enticing, Um, you know, you, you get into that mood and and. Being a witch and invoking that, uh, the spirit of that, or invoking the mood of that, you know, definitely made it easier for me and drag to get into that headspace. And my drag and my spiritual work, my witchcraft, it's all very, very intertwined. And definitely, Louisiana as a character, you know, I do, she is a witch too. And I feel very spiritually fulfilled doing drag and performing on stage because there always is an intent in my performance um i don't like to just like go on stage and be like okay throw on throw on some gaga and i'm gonna do some splits (laughs) um you know I, i i like to have intent with every performance that i do and it's the same thing with my spiritual practice you know Whether, you know, it's a friend who, you know, is feeling really down or needs help, you know, I'll set up my altar, you know, with the intentions, you know, of like bringing light and love to this person. And the same thing with drag, it's all about intent. And the same uh, mindset I go into at spiritual work is the same I have with with drag.
0: I often think about how the witch... Yes, she can be a signifier of the divine feminine, but she's also kind of the symbol of the ultimate outsider, you know, the the person who feels perhaps like an outcast or the person who feels like they're living in the margins or that liminal space of in-betweenness and not quite belonging and feeling solitary and then finding and building their own covens and communities. And I think it's no kind of accident that when people are admitting that they're witches we say they're coming out of the broom closet Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that you know it's not just women who gravitate towards the archetype of the witch or who can um, embody the witch it can be anybody who wants to plug into that certainly divine feminine aspect but also to reclaim those parts of them that felt like an outsider or felt ashamed or felt in the shadows does that resonate with you at all or
1: it it definitely does no you kind of like hit the nail on the head once again um you know the popularity of drag in the like mass media notwithstanding um that's what drag queens are for their queer communities. We are the storytellers. We tell the truths. We heal the hurts. You know, we make everyone have a good time. We are our communities, like, soothsayers. And that is how I've always felt about drag and was one of the reasons why, you know, when the bug really bit me, I was like, oh, you know, wow. Like, you know, my spiritual practice definitely, you know, it's, it's it was like kind of like, every little box has been ticked and for all intents and purposes you know yeah drag is like kind of at the height of its like popularity but you know at the end of the day when that goes away you know we still are you know we're the we're the witches for our community and i can still walk down the street and get like called a name and still get you know harassed so it's it's like we're, it's still in some aspects, underground.
0: I think a a man dressing as a woman is always going to be subversive because, or as long as the patriarchy is in charge of us all, you know?
1: And that's a powerful thing is that, you know, especially with the state of the world right now, femme power is the most subversive beautiful thing that you can use to you know take down the shackles and when I say fem power I think anyone can you know I am also definitely a very vocal feminist and an inclusive feminist you know whenever I say women I mean anyone who represents you know who who represents as a woman as fem. and also that's also what I love about drag kind of like what you said about witches as well. There's straight women, you know, cis women, there's straight cis men, there's gay men, there's gay cis women, there's, you know, um, non-binary people, people, you know, just any and all walks of life, trans performers, it's it, it's welcoming to everyone. I know at least at my shows and the drag that I produce is a complete, like, open-door policy. I want if you want to do drag, I don't care what physical shell you identify as or come in as. I want you to perform. And and so that I don't know, I also feel like, you know, I stick I'm sticking it to the patriarchy and that like I am all about emboldening and representing that feminine power in whatever shape that it that it takes.
0: Yes, and we need it so badly right now. So I'm just so grateful that you exist, Louisiana, and I am dying to meet you in person and see you perform sometime. Are you coming to New York anytime soon?
1: I will be coming back this year. Um, (gasps) Dates are um, being talked about and thrown around right now. But um, if anyone follows my Instagram, I always post show flyers or when I'm going to be in your town. I'll be in Los Angeles May 10th through 14th for RuPaul's drag con. And I'll be doing some performances around the city. And then I'll be back in LA in early June and then off to Philadelphia for, uh, something very, very exciting. I can't quite talk about it yet, but keep your eyes on my Instagram. And I, it's basically a dream come true. What's going to be happening in Philadelphia. Um, and then New York will be up. I'll be in Portland in December. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, getting the, I guess, later summer, early fall dates kind of solidified. But yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling and anyone that knows me online or what have you if you come to a show or see me please come say hi and talk to me i love meeting everyone and it's just such a thrill that doing this what i love to do has afforded me it's my full-time job it's afforded me my it feeds me in all aspects physically it provides food and also it, it. feeds my spirit. So it's like,
0: oh, congratulations. And I know it takes so much hard work to be able to get to that point. So what a thrill. That's wonderful. So Louisiana, just on a final note, you're you're telling folks to follow your Instagram. Would you mind telling people what that is and how to spell it and all that good jazz?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because it's a little bit different spelling. So if you would like to follow me on Instagram, it's at Louisiana Purchase, and it's spelled L-O-U-I-S-I-A-N-N-A-P-U-R-C-H-A-S-E. It's the two N's. Um, Double which N little, in
0: Louisiana.
1: Yeah, it's a little funny story. Um, it was misspelled on the very first flyer for the first show that I appeared in with two N's. And I thought it would be funny. I was like, oh, people can just call me Anna. And that did not happen. People just call me Wheezy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's awesome. Well, I have to say that for Google metrics sake, this is a much better name because, you know, we're not going to just get the Wikipedia page for the Louisiana purchase. So well done, universe. Thank you, universe. (laughs) All right. Well, I should let you go into the ether, Louisiana. Thank you so much for the beauty that you conjure into the world and for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been just such an honor and such a joy.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you so much. This, um, you know, I don't really get to talk a lot about these subjects. And so this has been just an utter joy and such a thrill and getting to speak with you, and uh, I appreciate you so much.
0: Aw, back at you big time. You take good care, my darling.
1: You as well.
0: That's it for the show. Thank you again to Louisiana Purchase for joining me. I can't wait to catch her magic next time she flies through New York. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop me an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com and you might make it on the Witch Wire. The Witch Wave is produced and recorded by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was edited by Chiquita Pascal, Thanks, Chiquita, and myself. Our theme music is by Lycanthea special thanks go to Matt Freeman you can check out information about this and other episodes on our website witchwavepodcast.com will you just go on ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes please and will you just go on ahead and give us lots of twinkly magical stars because it really really makes a huge difference I'd be so so grateful to you You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you have an iPhone, you might dig my witch emoji for iMessage. Fill your texts with witches, spellcraft objects, and magical symbols in a variety of skin tones, genders, and colors by searching for Witch Emoji, all one word, in the App Store, or by going to witchemoji.com. Thank you so much for listening witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.